Welcome to the ENA Podcast. This is the ENA Podcast, and I am Dan Campana, the Senior Manager for PR and Communications with the Emergency Nurses Association, welcoming you to our latest episode. And uh, I'm really excited about today's episode, and, and you hear me say I'm excited every episode, but every time we get to meet somebody different, talking about maybe a topic you know about, but coming at it from a different perspective, uh, that's exciting to me to be able to share with our audience here. So today I'm, I'm excited to welcome Eric Miller to the ENA Podcast. He's a major with the Wyoming Air National Guard, but he's also a rotor wing critical care flight nurse and paramedic. So um, I know he's got some great stories, but today we're going to talk a little bit about communication. So Eric, welcome to the ENA Podcast. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it. I'm excited. That's great. And so let's start off a little bit. Uh, you know, I mentioned a couple of your, your high level things, but uh, give us a little quick background on your life as an emergency nurse and, and being a part of the National Guard. I mean, uh, what's, what's sort of your elevator speech when it comes to uh, what your history is like? So I, I started out being a paramedic in about the mid 80s. I'm, I'm an old guy okay. and have been a paramedic ever since and then uh, was working as a flight paramedic in Colorado and saw the flight nurses and I thought, my God, these nurses are really, really smart. And I remember the call that I became uh, interested in actually pursuing nursing. And within six days, I was in nursing school. And that was probably 15 years ago. So I've been an ER nurse, ICU nurse, uh, went back to flight nursing several years ago. I worked for a national company as a float nurse. So I got to actually fly in uh, rotor operations all over the United States, literally coast to coast, I think in 19 or 20 states and about 25 different operations. So I've really got to see ERs, rural and very high-end urban centers. Uh, it's been fascinating to get that cross section across the country. Um, as a major in the Air National Guard, I'm a flight nurse there, have flown uh, in the uh, Middle East uh, and all the way down to the South Pole on a different um, uh, deployment. So I, I've been around the block flying and, and doing medicine in a lot of different um, venues. So what, what strikes me here, and, and I'm going to give a shout out to our education team for the first time in our call for ENA content. Uh, podcasts were one of the categories that we put the call out for, and we had a, a tremendous number of responses, people who were interested in pitching topics for the podcast, and you were one of those people who submitted. And the topic that you said you submitted was, what you don't say can kill you. So what this tells me is that we're going to get into a little bit of the art of communication, and really from someone who's been in the communications world for my 20-year career, uh, communication is a bit of a lost art in my perspective because everybody preaches it, but yet even people who are in communication struggle with it. So give me give me a, just a kind of a quick glance as to with all of that worldly experience that you talked about, what did you learn about communication being in all of those different settings and being in different parts of the world that put you on a path to really want to talk more about it and really give people some different insights about the idea of communicating? Yeah, great. Great. Uh, set up there. I, I, I think we live in a world of a lot of noise. There's a lot of people talking. All of us are talking all the time, whether that's social media, whether it's at work, everybody has their opinion, but the communication that, that I'm concerned about can really lead to uh, unintended consequences. And oftentimes it's by what we're not saying. We're so busy saying 
um, trivial things that we forget to have the, the, the crucial conversations uh, that really can ultimately save a life. Um, I talk about conversational inertia, and I, I'm not so sure that I didn't even coin that term because <laughs> as I was doing research for all of this, um, I can't find those terms together. But it, it, it all started for me probably 15 years ago on a flight uh, from Alamosa, Colorado to back to Colorado Springs. It was the middle of the night. Uh, there was no moon back then. It was before we started using NVGs or night vision goggles. Um, and about two weeks before this specific flight, I was reading a uh, professional helicopter pilot magazine. And the very last article of the magazine was talking about two pilots that happened to be in a helicopter with a voice recorder. And the whole article was about how you didn't know why helicopters crashed because we don't have black boxes in voice okay. recorders. So, so the framework of this article was these two guys talking right before they crash, right? So they're talking about, oh, do you see the, the elk down there? Oh yeah, did you feel that vibration when we took off? And the pilot's like, yeah, I, I felt it. I don't know what it is. They talk about hunting <laughs> a couple more sentences. And then the guy says something about, yeah, I really don't know what that vibration is. Boom, done. That's the last communication and they had crashed. Okay, so that's the, that's the framework before this flight. So okay. we've taken off, we've got a critical patient. We're, we're over like uh, Mosca Pass. We're probably at 12,000 feet. Again, we're in the mountains, it's black. You look out of the, the side windows, the windscreen, black, there's nothing. My, my partner, the pilot is very experienced um, and my partner, the flight nurse at the time, very experienced. She says, did you feel that vibration? He said, yeah, I'm the pilot. Yeah, I, I did feel that vibration. He goes, I don't know that it's a trim tab. I'm not exactly sure what it is. She then goes off onto a conversation of how her and her sister were in a commercial airline. She had felt a weird vibration and told her sister. And then within 10 minutes, they landed because there was something wrong mechanical with the plane. Now, I am going back in, in my head. Remember, we got the critical patient, but he's fairly stable. I don't remember if he's on the vent or whatever. The patient now is out of my head. I am flipping out because we are in the middle of nowhere and we've got this vibration. I've just read this article about, you know, helicopter crashes and things. And I, and at that time I had known uh, one person that had crashed and died or two people that had crashed and died in a medical helicopter crash. So, I mean, it wasn't, that wasn't unknown to me as well. And so I was paralyzed. I, I, I couldn't say anything. I took a two inch piece of tape and I put it on my leg and I wrote vibration felt crew disgust. So because we don't have a voice recorder in the helicopter, I knew that if they found my body, that they would at least find this tape on my leg, that there was indeed a vibration in the aircraft, that we were aware of it and we had discussed it. This is... <laughs> this is how warped it was. And, and I'm, I, you can't see me now, but I am getting goosebumps still. This is 15 years later. I am still um, 
emotionally charged by by what happened in that helicopter. And that all happens in a short amount of time, I imagine. Oh my God, yeah, this is happening in, you know, I've already talked longer than it took for all of this <laughs> to happen in my head, right? And, and, and in my head, I am, I am about ready to explode. Now, we had, we had created a tool at our operations called the Mid-Flight Checklist. And that checklist um, was a tool that any flight over 20 minutes, we would start checking in on, okay, uh, the pilot would go through flight operations. What's our fuel status? What's uh, all the, uh, you know, winds, our airspeed? Are we, um, do we have anything that's changed? Um, what's our ETA to the pad? All of that. Then we would talk about um, the patient. Has anything changed with the patient? And, and a couple other things in the checklist. But the final question in the checklist was, is there anything else? And that was my opportunity. That broke the conversational inertia for me that gave me the ability to actually speak. I was paralyzed. Conversational inertia. You can't get past the, the, the opposition of opening your mouth and even making a sound. And it happens all the time in a lot of different circumstances. So anyway, the pilot says, is there anything else? And I said, yeah, um, I am effing flipping out about this vibration. And I remember him turning around and looking at me and tilting his head and goes, are you serious? And I said, yeah, man, I am like, like flipping out. I said, I've even written a note on my leg. And he goes, okay, do you want me to put the, the aircraft down right now? I said, I, I don't know. And then he very patiently went through all of his checklist, his mental checklist and the aircraft checklist on every vibration that could possibly be known to man for an aircraft and boom, boom, boom. And why he didn't feel that this was you know, thing. Is it a transmission failure? Is it a pump failure? Is it a hydraulic failure? Is it a trim tab? Blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, he goes, I feel like it probably is a trim tab. But if you want me to set this aircraft down now, we will do it. And that empowered me because in, in an aircraft at any time, uh, any one of us can say we need to put the aircraft down. Sure. Um, you, you know, it can't be a bogus reason, but right. he, he gave me the power immediately to, to take over and, and, and all of that. And then he said, listen, you know, if you're, if you're comfortable, if we get to the pad at the, at the um, uh, hospital, we can take it out of service until, you know, the mechanic comes over and, and clears it, but you know, whatever you want. And it, and man, it, it just deflated that anxiety. And, but it was the tool that we had that allowed me to even be able to speak. And this happened. They give you that yeah. empowerment that I think is something that people um, maybe don't feel like they, they can have at times, whether it's a hierarchy, you know, speaking to a superior or uh, just self-esteem or whatever it is. You need some opportunities and some structure that can help you get past that. Is that a, a sort of a fair way of looking at what gets you past that threshold? Because it was the checklist that gave you that in to say what you felt like you needed to say. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, there's a there's a Pew Research study out there called the spiral of silence. And, and it is that once you have that, that time that you're not speaking, nobody's saying anything. Um, 
it only builds. It's harder to break that, that spiral of silence. And uh, another like 2010 studies, there's been tons of t studies on this, that medical errors, one of the biggest things is somebody felt it. Somebody felt it and didn't say something. That conversational inertia, they couldn't pop through. ORs, how do they, you know, they, they have errors on lopping off the wrong limb or taking out the wrong kidney or something, right? They have their, they're essentially in the aircraft, in the aviation world, it's a stop checklist, but you, you have that checklist in the OR to try to make sure that you're mitigating those errors. But at, at any given point, if you circumvent some of these checklists, if you don't do some of these things, or if you don't break through the conversational inertia, and say something, that's when mistakes happen. But, yeah. but look, this, this leads to divorce because how many times have you laid in bed or, or your significant other says, hey, what is going on? Or, and you just can't speak. It, it, it's really, I've looked and looked for research specifically on this, but it's, it's you, you, you can't speak. It's this inertia that doesn't allow. And finding different tools to say something, that mid-flight mid checklist was crucial for me. But it so happens in the, in the ERs all the time, you know, a med error, or you, you, you get outside of exactly what you're supposed to do. Um, so let's transition from, you know, from that moment in, in that experience into the rest of your working life. So now you're, you're looking into this more thoroughly, you're, you know, in terms of research, you're learning more about, you know, this concept of conversational inertia and how it is a hindrance and it can it interrupts everything from personal to professional circumstances. Did you become sort of situation, situationally aware of this now as you're in an ED or you're in these different environments and you can see where this is creating those blockades? I mean, did it enlighten you in that to that level where you're now seeing it playing out in front of you and you can see when people are holding themselves back? Or is this really only when the result doesn't work out that you're going, it was because somebody didn't speak up? No, it, 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 I think that's really insightful, actually. I, it, it has become a fascination for me that, that how many different arenas this is um, applicable to. Uh, uh, one of my best friends, I was in a documentary on EMS suicide, and he was one of the national leaders talking about firefighters and suicide. And two weeks before they were going to be doing the documentary, he killed himself. Mm. And, uh, and most people in, in the ER, EMS, medicine in general, at some point, you're going to have a friend or colleague that, that commits suicide. And what is it that everybody says? Oh, God, every time you're going to hear it is, why didn't they say something? God, if they would have just said something to me, if they would have, conversational inertia. Yeah. They, it, and, and. That's why when I pitch this to you, you know, a conversational inertia, what you don't say could kill you. And it's really true. You know, people that, you know, it, and I think that's even one of the hardest places is when you're really struggling to, to have that vulnerability to talk to somebody. But conversely, you know, it, the other thing I've been thinking about with the ER is, you know, you've always got the colleague that you can't, you don't really like. Right. For whatever reason, personality conflict or the doctor or, you know, somebody from the other department you, you don't like. And so it's easier just to not talk than to 
either ask the hard questions or say, hey, listen, I, I don't think that's right. Let's, let's hold on. Because <laughs> for some bias that we have, we, we don't feel like we want to either help that person or we, we don't think through all of the implications of why are we not saying something? Again, that's another conversational inertia. But with, with the suicide aspect is sometimes the quick, you notice a behavioral change in somebody. Why are we not going through that conversational inertia and having the courage to have the conversation that, Hey, are you okay? No, I mean, are you really okay? Because I've noticed this behavior change, you seem on edge. Some, and I've, I have been changing that in the last few years. Um, and I can't believe how many times I've been right on, you know, with, with people that I don't really know, just having the courage to have that conversation. Again, breaking through the conversational inertia. This really, from medical errors to aircraft accidents to, you know, people that are struggling personally, it it crosses a lot of boundaries. And so, yeah, I spend a lot of time thinking about the implications of, of you know, this, this well, blockage. Let me, let me take this in two directions and I'll, I'll go in reverse order. So I, I want to talk about, you know, some of the takeaways. So if you're uh, an ED nurse and you're observing certain types of things, or you feel like you are holding up, you know, what, what some of your guidance could be for, to help them, cross over that conversational inertia, but let me back it up to talk about the nurse patient relationship and whether conversational inertia, even though this is a professional relationship and you're trying to do the best for this patient, do you find, or have you seen or read where, you know, nurses or, or any healthcare provider might actually, you know, let that inertia prevent them from asking the right questions of a patient? Oh my God. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah, for sure. Uh, again, just like a colleague that you don't like, you've got patients that are just rub you wrong, right? That you, you're like, Oh God, just get me out of that room. But sometimes it, it I, I'm always in check with myself trying and, and I am, I am by no means a saint. I, 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 Am a hypocrite with some of the things I'm proposing in this, right? I, I am human like everybody else. But gosh, I really, really try because the ER eats your soul. I mean, the, these people can really take it out of you. And you've, but that doesn't mean that, you know, um, there's not value and dignity in every single patient and really asking, uh, you know, some more in depth questions. I, I, I hate some of our screening questions. Do you feel safe at home? Do you, but if they, are you a smoker? Blah, blah, blah. All these things that, you know, these screening questions that drive a lot of us nuts. But there are some patients where I will hard stop and I will ask it seriously. Listen, you know, with your injuries, um, something doesn't seem right. Are you sure that this is the answer? I, I had a, a lady yesterday, two days ago. Um, something was wrong. And, 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 you know, she was obviously probably a drug user and stuff like that. And finally, I'm just like, ma'am, can I ask you a question? Were you tweaking today? Um, and she's like, well, no, well, this morning I was, but again, let us down a whole nother track. Cause I can tell you, I had 25 people lined up for me to triage and then wanting to go down this road with the, the tweaker lady was, was, um, but it was important. Right. right. And, and I could have very easily blown it off, 
and, and I didn't. And so I'm always in that check. And I just feel like if, if all of a sudden my soul's burdened with, you know, hey, you need to ask this question, I just ask it. I just ask it. Um, there's a gut and instinct aspect to this that every ED nurse has and just being able to push yourself to that next level to ask that next question or to trust that you're observing something and you know there's no harm in asking the next question or ultimately you're trying to get to the good place and helping understand what's going on with this patient yeah and especially when it's like you know are you sure you don't want to hurt yourself or are are you really safe is is anything going on i mean we we get those inclinations and we can blow them off and and i have i'm not again <laughs> i am not perfect in this world but i can tell you i spend um, I, you know, I get burned out just like everybody else. I've been doing this a long time and some days it's just too much. Um, but I really try to always do the gut check and, and probably even more importantly with my, my colleagues and people that I don't even know when I see a change of behavior, asking hard questions. And, and I think probably being a little older, having had multiple friends that have killed themselves or tragedies happen in, in my friends' lives or my lives. I think it makes you maybe a little bit bolder in, in asking some of those questions. But just like I tell people that are just starting out in the flight business, you have just as much power to put this aircraft on the ground. If you feel something or you don't feel anything, you may be the only one that feels it. You're the only one that God has put the pressure on you and if you don't say something, you could have, you know, potentially saved all of us or, or something, somebody if you're in the ER or something. Sure. So I think it's important that even if you're brand new, you know, and you've got this thing that's going on or we're taking care of a patient, it's chaotic and something's just not right. Call in a timeout. I can't tell you how many times as a paramedic, a, a, a code or something was going wrong. And I'm like, and, and. One that cascade of events where one thing goes wrong that leads and all of a sudden it's chaos. I have said hard stop. Everybody stop right now. Look at me. Focus. You know you keep breathing your CPR, but you're like everybody just hard stop. Yeah. Take a deep breath, and it changes the whole course of the treatment. Same thing. It could be a minor medication error, but we've got to look out for each other, and we've just got to have the courage to break through that inertia to say something. So with, uh, you know, to wrap up here, you know, and I think you were on a, you were heading in a good path. So I want to segue off of that, you know, to, to break through that, you know, what are maybe your top two tips that a nurse can take away from this and say, here are things I can carry with me back to my ED or wherever I work. Um, and this is something I can try to do a little bit better every day. Cause I, I think you, bring up a great point. You live and breathe this because you've learned a lot, but you're not perfect at it. You're just, you're continuing to work at it. So how could somebody who is just learning about the concept of conversational inertia, conversational inertia, uh, how can they walk back into their personal and professional lives and say, here's how I can get a little bit better at this every day by doing this thing or that thing? I, I think it's really important. The number one thing is that that feeling that you're having is valid. And you, you don't have to understand it. You don't have to know why you're having it. But if you've got that feeling, um, oftentimes other people have it in the aircraft. It happens all the time. Uh, somebody's like, Oh, I don't like that weather over there. And all of a sudden the two other people are like, God, I've been feeling crazy about it too. I'm glad somebody said something again. Why didn't you say something then? Yeah. Right. But 
especially being new, if you're having that feeling, there's a reason you're having that feeling. You don't have to understand or even be valid. And you could be wrong, but have the courage to say something. So I guess the first thing is recognize that you're having these, these intuition feelings that they're, and that they're valid. And then to have the courage to just say something. And, um, you know, you can be wrong, but it's okay to be wrong. God, it's, it is the art of conversation. We are working in the art of medicine. One of my mentors always told me, Eric, it's an art. You're, you're, we're like the Picassos, but we get to paint our, um, our gifts into somebody's life and their health. We're, we really have a, a real privilege. We meet people at a, at a need that um, they are beyond their capability of caring for themselves. And so it really is a privilege. If you get the feeling, number one, to act on it. That would be my say something, sure. right? Say something. What's a TSA? If you see something, say something. That's right. I mean, it's, uh, you know. And you don't have to do it in an offensive way. Right, I mean, right. I think that's the, the, the thing is we, we don't want to lose our social credibility. We don't want to do all of this kinds of stuff. But when you are genuine and you're not doing it to make somebody look stupid, if you're doing it, people understand that and, and you'd be surprised where some of these things go. And I can tell you, I think we would help with med errors. We would help save people who are, are really struggling. Um, and in aircraft, we can definitely um, hopefully avoid some accidents. Well, Eric Miller, this has been an interesting you know, conversation on a couple levels, you know, from my standpoint, because uh, this applies across the board. Like you said, this isn't uh, uh, exclusive to healthcare or any particular profession. You know, it can be applied you know, in your, your day-to-day lives. And I think, uh, as you pointed out, uh, it's something that everybody can try a little bit every single day. And, you know, hopefully people can start to see the benefits of that. And, you know, when you're talking high stakes, you're, you know, you're up in the, the mountains at night and a helicopter, I mean, that's about as high stakes as you can get. And to be able to break through it there, um, hopefully that would encourage and empower other people in their everyday settings to see the, val- the validity of, you know, just taking that, you know, taking that little jump uh, to break through conversational inertia. And we'll certainly look for that to be trademarked by you at some point, because uh, uh, I know I've not heard it. And you said you've been digging around to see if anybody else has ever used it. But it's certainly, um, I think it's a concept you explained really well here for people to understand. So thank you for, uh, for taking some time to be a part of the podcast today. Well, I appreciate it. I'm a lifetime member of VNA. Everybody should be a member of VNA. It's a great organization. And um, Dan, I really appreciate you guys finding that, you know, this is worthy of being in uh, uh, one of your episodes. And I appreciate you uh, talking to me today. Well, definitely. And, you know, our audience, uh, you know, certainly has grown in the last year. And it's because of the diversity of topics like this, um, where it's beyond just the clinical, but it does look at, uh, you know, the people that are behind the work that goes on. So, uh, you know, Eric Miller, I appreciate you joining us today. And, you know, that'll do it for uh, this episode of the ENA podcast. As always, we appreciate uh, all our listeners. And, uh, you know, if you like to uh, to hear you know, from some of our other uh, past uh, episodes and some of the other members who have really shared some of their expertise and some of their insights, I encourage you to uh, scroll back through the uh, Apple playlist or your Google Play or on Spotify and you know go back over the last year and, and really hear some great stories and some great perspectives from our members. So until next time, this is Dan Campana and uh, we thank you for listening and we'll talk to you very soon.